Good morning, everyone. Clark and Bobby are with you as the voice of the Wake Before the Day podcast. We're so glad you're listening. Yes, coming from the kitchen table <laughs> Is with that tranquil? little children that are awake. <laughs> and it will not be tranquil shortly I when know. they stop. We'll see. You guys are used to that by now, though. So They stop by and say hi. Today is Wednesday, and we are in Mark still, Mark chapter 4. Uh, Mark chapter 9. And by 4, I meant 9, and so that's good. I am looking at it, so I don't know. Um, There's just lots of stuff in here. So Clark and I are just going to kind of go back and forth a little bit with what stuck out to us, which is what we would normally do. That's kind of what we encourage you to do on the podcast is just read and what stuck out to you and share it with Mm -hmm. someone. And so that's what we'll do today. Yeah. I'm picking up right at verse one. And he said to them, truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God has come with power. And so Mm -hmm. he's got disciples standing there. He's got Peter, James, and John. And what stuck out to me was just the word power. And what he's referencing is they're going to experience the power of God in the resurrection. Mm. And I'll often think about power and in seminary and probably in the 80s and 90s, they talked about the power ministries that dealt with like healing (laughs) and exorcism and prophetic words. And those are all very real and alive today. But what struck me as I read this passage was that the the greatest... um, I don't know, experience of power, exposition of power, example of power in the Bible is something that is dead coming back to life. He's talking about how the real power is going to be experienced here from the kingdom of God when Mm. Peter, James, and John and the other disciples see and witness Jesus' death and his resurrection. And so that kind of facilitated an inner dialogue in my head and my heart of, Mm. I need to pray more for that kind of power yeah. in our church and in our community and with people I know that need to experience that resurrection life because they're not there yet. They haven't experienced mm-hmm. a relationship with God. They haven't repented. They haven't believed. And so there's nothing more powerful than that from death to resurrection mm. and life. It's just yeah, incredibly powerful. And so then my brain started spiraling as I'm reading this and specifically focusing on the transfiguration and then Moses and Elijah pop up. And I ask myself, why are, yeah. why, why are they there? Why is King David not there? Yeah. Why is Abraham not there? And when you look at it, this is just my own thinking, is Moses and Elijah sum up the law and the prophets in the Old Testament. And so what you see in this passage is a beautiful connection of the Old Testament being fulfilled and affirmed in Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Hmm. And then it all being fulfilled in Christ. And then there's also really the foundation of the church in the New Testament with the apostles present. Right there. Yeah. So it's like Jesus as the hinge and you have the Old Testament connected to the New Testament mm. in the beauty of both. So that just made me mm. fall in love again with all of the Bible and all of the yeah. scripture. And, and even the failures of the other human beings in the Bible like Moses and like Elijah. Mm-hmm. But the, how they point us to Christ. And I guess if I had to um, press into this a little bit more, what yeah. strikes me is as I read this, it seems that Jesus is like catching up with the homies. It's like, hey, what's up, Moses? What's up, Elijah? Yeah, it really does. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> and they're just talking. And, and Moses and Elijah are like encouraging Jesus. Mm-hmm. So what strikes me is that when Moses and Elijah like died, yeah, they're with they him. To glory, yeah. They were with him. They're with yeah. Jesus. And they know each other. And so that gives me hope kind of going back to resurrection in the spirit right here now where we get to experience resurrection life um, as Christians living today. 
But also, when we do die and our time on earth is done, we're with God. Like Moses and Elijah were with the Lord, but then they died, and then they were really with the Lord, and they were with Jesus. Hmm. And so when Jesus transfigures before them, you see they, they have this beautiful relationship, and they're catching up. Right. And even the word transfigured, I was studying yeah. that just because this these first number of verses really struck struck my heart. The word transfigured is simply used to change form. And that word, just me again trying to study this and make sense of it, is used in other parts of the Bible, especially the, the New Testament. And it mm-hmm. always talks about the Holy Spirit bringing change to the, the inside out of the believer. So there's mm-hmm. two examples. When Jesus transfigured, he changed form before the disciples, connecting the Old Testament to the New Testament, Moses and Elijah to the apostles. But that word is used later on to talk about the Holy Spirit changing you and me from the inside out. So Romans 12, 2, it says, Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed, same as transfigured, mm. changing in form by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his perfect, pleasing will. And then later on in 2 Corinthians, it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed or transfigured or changing form into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So a lot of (laughs) rambling here, but what does power look like? Power looks like Mm -hmm. resurrection. That is the, the most beautiful, strongest picture of power in the Bible. Death to life mm. in Christ for Jesus himself leading the way and then also for us. That transfiguration connecting the Old Testament to the New Testament. And then for us in the New Testament, that being changing form, the Spirit changing us from the inside out. But grateful the Lord went before us. He did it <laughs> yeah. himself. All right, Bob, turn That's it over to you. Word. What do you get? You guys, this is what I get every day. This is the heart of Clark, the brain of Clark. Like, oh, I'm going to read and, you know, my less than 10 verses, this is what stuck out to me. Like, whoa, that's awesome. <laughs> wow, I praise God for that. That <laughs> I can learn from you and listen to you and be encouraged by you. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I actually was just kind of stuck struck by the disciples throughout this chapter and how it just seems like there was a gigantic lesson in humility just Mm. being laid out time and time and time again. And so I'll kind of walk through the chapter and really quickly just present verses uh, with kind of what I mean. Okay, I'm following along. um, Okay, so just initially, uh, so Clark's talking about the transfiguration and just God bless Jesus and his relationship with these disciples. So Peter says, and you probably heard this before, but Rabbi, is, is it? Is it good? Let me interject. Is it good for us to be here? It, it is good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you. And no, no, just totally missing the point here. The Lord actually <laughs> interrupts like, him. Like, okay, so there, there's lesson one, just kind of like as, you know, Yahweh speaks in verse seven and says like, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. So, okay, lesson one. Then we go, um, the next kind of heading is the healing with the boy. The healing of the boy with the evil spirit. And when you read verse 19, it talks about how some of the remaining disciples that were there, uh, they weren't able to heal him. And Jesus says, oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up? 
off with you. Bring me the boy. Pete, you knucklehead. Oh, my goodness. And then in verse 29, you read that um, Jesus is able to exercise the demon, that this boy has freedom, and that he lets the disciples know that this kind can only come out by prayer. And so just, you know, a a little bit deeper there underneath what you read on the surface, you would find out that when Jesus says the word prayer, if we dig a little bit, um, he's not saying or assuming that, you know, other uh, demoniacs could be set free uh, without prayer. He's not saying that, but he's saying, you need to be continually connected to me. You need to be Mm. praying. You need to be relying and depending on me to exercise demons, to to extend miracles to other people. And so that's kind of another, just another lesson in humility. Like this isn't about you and your own power, giving people, you know, the gifts of the spirit. This is about you being connected to me and then me working through you as I see fit. And And so all about, like you said, the Lord and his power. Yeah. (laughs) That's part of the prayers acting as a conduit of saying, okay, we can't do it. God, we need your help. That's, totally. That's good, Bob. So another just, okay, that's that's humbling too. So then, then you know, okay, maybe this discipling, maybe they're starting to figure out like, we don't know what we're doing, but no, they're not. The next like kind of chunk of scripture you read is them arguing about who is the greatest. And what's so curious is that Jesus, um, in his talking with them, this is verse 36, he took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my arms, in my name, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not, excuse me, whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. And so all that's to say, also, Jesus is is giving them a picture to say, look at this kid in front of you. Look at this kid in my arms. His value, his worth, his being is not, um, excuse me, his value and worth is not coming from what he's doing. It's just from his being. It's just in that I love him. It's not what he's doing for me. It's not the miracles he's trying to perform or how you know righteous he is in his living. No, he's just a kid and I just love him. And so that's another lesson in humility for these disciples that it's, oh, it's not about being the greatest. It's not yeah. about, you know, oh, well, I did 36 miracles and you only did 22. No, like total total miss there <laughs> you know so, what i'm seeing right here too what if you kind of want to nerd out with me yeah this please. is a good example of what separates mark's writing from matthew luke and john is that this what? is a markin sandwich oh yeah what is that explain um, that to so our listeners. the way that yeah. mark often teaches he'll tell you a story about subject a and he'll transition mm. kind of randomly at times and talk about uh, subject b and then come back to subject a so here, picking up in verse 14, like you said, Jesus heals a boy possessed by an impure spirit. He talks to them about this child, about deliverance, about healing, about freedom. And then from there, he's predicting his death. And then it comes back to, don't you cause one of these little ones to stumble? Yeah. I'm going back to these children and childlike faith, and here's yeah. where we're at. So anyways, back to you, but I just noticed that. That you guys, the Mark and Sandwich, <laughs> the original chicken sandwich before Chick-fil-A. Yeah, this is, I mean, Clark, Reverend. Clark Corver with us, the theologian, explaining all these demons. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Um, that's good. I no, I wasn't even. That's awesome. I would not have even pointed that out or known to point that out. So I don't know really why that's important, but just I mean, either that's how Marky Mark wrote. <laughs> no, he, that's just he his put style. Marking sandwiches in there. Oh, that's good. 
Okay, well, the last example that kind of lifted for me was, again, uh, just another lesson in humility is these disciples are um, pointing out a a man who is driving out demons in Jesus' name. And then in verse 38, they say, we told him to stop because he is not one of us. (laughs) And it's just as if they, you know, they're realizing like Jesus is gaining notoriety. Jesus has a following. Jesus has people that are loyal to him and they are connected to Jesus. They're realizing this. So what do we see in the, in this JVB team discipleship group is that they're getting puffed up by Jesus kind of fame. Yeah. And so when Jesus says in verse 39, do not stop him. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. It's as if Jesus is letting the disciples know that just because he's not one of the 12, just because he's not, you know, in the inner circle that you yeah. guys so like cherish right now, doesn't mean that he is not being effective in the kingdom of God. He has faith. He if, if miracles are happening, Jesus is essentially saying he is one of us. He does belong to us. In the and name just, of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. Just because he's not in our inner circle. And so, again, hmm. take the focus off of yourself. This is a not about you. Another lesson in humility. And you got just wrapping it all up. I felt as just sitting with the Holy Spirit. I was like, man, that's really good, Lord. Thank you for that. Was What's crazy about it is, I've heard the disciples call it like the JVB team and they like Jesus literally calls them dull. He says like, how long am I going to be with you? And what's so crazy though, is he, as we march toward the cross here, he has such a heart for them that he just continues to journey with them in their stumbling, in their, even in their denying of him Mm -hmm. eventually as we get to the cross. But right, right now is just kind of the meat of his ministry where you see like, man, just like, like, we don't know anything. Like, Jesus, help us. <laughs> and yeah. so um, that's kind of throughout the chapter of, of Mark 9, what stuck out to me. Yeah. There, there was just kind of this mark of humility and Jesus saying, um, please partner with me in my power by the Holy Spirit because uh, it's all about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. It's not about you. All right. Well, hey, thanks for tuning into the podcast and looking to Mark chapter 9. One of the things that strikes me as we wrap up is Bobby brought up a number of different uh, pericopes or verses about Jesus bringing deliverance and healing. And as this podcast comes to you on a Wednesday, uh, hopefully you're listening on Wednesday. Yeah. If not later, Mm, cool. But on Wednesday nights at church, we have a healing prayer service. And so it's from Mm -hmm. 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock, one hour of continual worship in the sanctuary. You can come and go as you please. It's, It's incredible. The stained glass windows are lit up. And we have a section off in the fellowship hall of just chairs spaced out where you can come and sit. And we have prayer ministers that will come and pray over you as long as you sit there. So if you want rest, you want to celebrate, you need healing, you're invited. Wednesday night, prayer and worship. And kids, come to say hello with your bunny. Say hi. Who you got there with you? Your bunny. All right, we got money. All right, we're going to get these kids ready for rest time. Pray for us as we pray for you. God bless you, and we'll talk to you soon. The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.